You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season. Whether I was out west during my elk hunt, South Dakota mule deer hunt, or my rut vacation in Iowa, I was on my phone using Onyx Maps every part of the day. Whether I was looking at terrain features uh, on the topographic and and satellite maps that they offer on their uh, their app, or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands, or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location. I used Onyx Maps every single day, and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map and uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before I had to wait till sun up and then and then you know find it that way but that problem does not exist anymore because of Onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that I think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app Uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 n-a-t-i-o-n two zero and for new users you're going to receive 20% off. So, onyxmaps.com. This is a Houndsman XP podcast with your host, Steve Fielder, and me, Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. Welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast, and this week we are with the Houndsman XP team, and we're just going to meander through the countryside here and talk about a a lot of different topics, but uh, we've got Steve. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Chris. Doing really good down here in the swamp. In the swamp. It's Christmas. It's it's Christmas time as we we record this from the swamp, and... uh, Christmas in a retirement community looks pretty festive. Oh yeah, it's uh, it, it's all that in a bag of chips, man. I tell you, we uh, we've got um, Christmas decorations on every little village sign. Let me tell you about this place that I live in. Okay, right. yep. There's like two thousand residents in here. That means individual homes. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, at one time it was a golf course community and. Uh, uh, over time, I guess everybody got too old to play golf and retired <laughs> to the shuffleboard courts or something like that. But anyway, there's still 
golf carts are permitted from daylight till dusk. Okay. And so you got to dodge those as you drive around the community. But, uh, within this big community, there are individual villages. And I guess this is designed so that the old people like us can find our way back home. You know, when we, (laughs) when we get into the village, because there's a big sign that lists all these villages and there's like 20 villages within this community. And so then each village, as you go down the street, it has a sign. I happen to live in Oakwood village. So somebody takes it upon themselves to decorate that. So, you know, we got like 20 different villages, all decorated little signs and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's quite festive. It really is. Sounds like something out of J.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit or something. (laughs) Now, Steve, even though you've got your own little village, do you have to put the reflective little dots on trees in order to find your way home? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, uh, I've got it memorized pretty well. I mean, I come in the main drive and I go two streets down and then I turn right and then I'm down about the fifth house before you make the curve. So, yeah, I've kind of got it memorized now. Um, (laughs) Good. And and the GPS helps, you know, if I can see the numbers, if I can see the numbers on the GPS. Now, my my grandparents live in a retirement community uh, in Illinois and then they'd summer I mean, winter in um, Arizona. Mm. So I'd visit quite a bit. And yeah, I, I did come down during Christmas time or saw pictures and Mardi Gras and all this. And they decorate their golf carts and oh, have yeah. parades. And yeah. it was a big hoopla. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of things to do here. You know, we have a huge clubhouse and uh, a big pool. And the guy, uh, the guard at the pool told me when I first moved in, I got to warn you, do not splash water on the little old ladies and mess up their hairdos. If you do, <laughs> you're going to pay. So I've, you know, I try to pick up on those little nuances, you know, of, of the thing and try to be a good, a good sport about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, actually the truth be known, I'm probably the only coon hunter in this whole, uh, village. I would say it's probably sure. a safe bet. I- that is very believable. Yeah. yeah. That's and as why you, I travel so much. You know, yeah, yeah. get away from here. And as you can hear, we have Lauren on the line. Lauren Branny's on the line with us today, too. Lauren, yeah. how, how are things from the farmette? Uh, well, like we like we discussed before, this is a this is a farm. <laughs> it's pretty big, um, but it's good. I'm I'm working through a cold right now, so to all our listeners, I apologize in advance um, if I sound a, a little bit more nasally than the usual Wisconsin nasal talk. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> um, on steroids. Oh, maybe. Well, I've got uh, some tea and honey next to me, and some. You know, good old essential oil, and I'm doing good. Um, things are things are chaos over here. I've got the the two adult dogs, and then I've got two uh, puppies, a male and a female, that just turned four months old, and they are all inside. So it's always it's always a show over here. Yeah, I can think of how to describe that show, probably, but it's probably not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, my mom says chaos follows me wherever I go, and 
you know what? This is my life. So <laughs> this is what I chose. Yeah. Um, you know, keeps me entertained, keeps me on my toes. And uh, but it's it's fun to watch them grow up. And I can't wait to start them and really see where these guys take off. Well, I am still here in Bear Branch and the winter chainsaw shuffle is in full mode and uh, keeping the wood wood burner filled up and a wood pile next to it trying to stock up wood for um, uh, my upcoming western tour here and so it's it's busy and still trying to do a few jobs here and there even though it's cold to uh, get me some walking around money for for arizona when we get out there in a couple weeks so yeah we are less less than a month away absolutely by the time this podcast comes out we'll probably be within a couple weeks actually yeah yeah so we're looking at probably around new year's when when this comes out so happy new year to all of our houndsman xp fans that are listening out there and uh steve you've been doing a lot of traveling lately let's just let's just kind of give people a rundown on the on the meandering wandering around of steve fielder this fall wow well, I tell you what, you know, I suffered through the one of the hottest summers that we've had down here in Florida in my memory. Uh, it was just stinking hot all summer and, of course, humid. And and that's uh, not conducive to enjoying hounds, unfortunately. But uh, I figured, you know, this fall I'd try to get out and do as much as I can while the weather's cooler. So, yeah, I've had quite a busy fall. I started back in October uh, went up to Pennsylvania, coon hunted a couple nights up there, stopped back through Virginia and, and did a night in the mountains there with my friend Heath Hyatt, who uh, I think our listeners may be familiar with by the time this podcast airs. So uh, had a good time, and that was to pick up Cruz, my walker pup, who's been in summer camp up there all summer with Randy Smith. And yeah, I had, had some good hunts. And, you know, the thing that I wanted, I was thinking about this before we recorded today, and this might be a word of encouragement to some of the listeners out there that may be, as I am, getting up there a little bit in, in age. Uh, you know, through that hot summer, I was feeling pretty uh, lethargic, feeling like, you know, man, I don't know if I've got the energy to get out there and really enjoy a hunting season this year or not. But just getting out and doing it, man, that, that's the key. Because from going to Pennsylvania, hunting a couple nights in the hills there, then down to Virginia where I actually had to do some pretty steep climbs up to the dogs a couple times, then went to Arkansas uh, and Mississippi, which that's pretty easy hunting. But I did that. But anyway, I'm jumping ahead of my story here, real, but I'll try to be brief. Um just getting out there this fall has made a world of difference in me, the way I feel, uh, my ability to, uh, you know, my, 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 uh, wind, my, my endurance. Uh, the other night we were out hunting and making some long walks to the dogs. And I said, man, you know, I feel like this is 10 years ago, you know? Good. So yeah. anyway, a good, a word to the wise out there. If you're feeling like you just can't cut it anymore, get out there, do it, man. That uh, That's what, at least that's working for me. Well, you've kept us updated on social media with uh, videos and stuff, and you have been getting after it this fall. And, uh, 
I think yeah. that's a, I think that's a good topic to talk about, you know, cuz that 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 is um something that we all fall I know younger hunters that get out of the groove of hunting. <clears throat> they put in a full day at work and then they think should I hunt tonight? And it's real easy to let your butt grow into the cushion on your easy chair and not get up, but you always feel better mm-hmm. after you get in the groove. That's for sure. That was oh. me last night, unfortunately. <laughs> what kind of weather are you having up there, just, Lauren? Um, well, I, it's crazy. Um, you know, just it, if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes in Wisconsin. It'll change. Um, so right now it's unseasonably warm. So last night, I think it was in the 20s. Today, I'm looking at my phone right now. It's supposed to be 39 with a low of 26. Saturday, it's going to be high of 40, 44, 42. Um, and then, you know, just around the freezing mark at night. So it's it's going to be great coon hunting. We've got a uh, our Christmas classic up in Plymouth on Saturday. We've got a double header hunt. So I think it's going to be great for that. But um we had a cold snap for a week. It was really cold, so I didn't really go out. Um, but like Steve was saying, when you get out, you feel good. And I've been taking the dogs out on the uh, back 80, running up and down the hills with them, just trying to prepare myself for mm-hmm. what whatever January is going to bring. <clears throat> I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that too, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. And, and it's it's hard when you're so mentally worn after work, at least for me, you know, I don't do physical labor. It's it's my brain all day. And, you know, I'm I feel burnt out at the end of the day. Um, but when you when I take Piper out to go potty and I notice her whining and she's not acting like she just wants to go potty. She's like, I want to hunt. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's call her up. Might as well. You know, one of the things that that I've found that keeps me going right now, I can't say that I really am because I'm kind of in that same bracket right now, kind of in the midwinter funk maybe. Uh, But having a good hunting partner, somebody that kind of spurs you on, somebody local that uh, can keep keep you rolling. I thought that might be a cool thing to talk about that – we haven't really addressed on this podcast, but one thing I'd like, you know, how valuable is a good hunting partner? Oh my gosh. And, and, and just a hunting partner, partner in general. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but, um, we've done with the learn to hunt program and I actually made a great friend out of it. Her name's Andrea and we go out, we try and go out at least once a week. Um, and she lives about 40, 45 minutes away, but, she has just dove deep into this and she loves it. And she's, you know, texting me like, when are we going next? You know, it's look at the weather. It's looking good. Like, let's go. And she's coming with me to spectate the hunt on Saturday. And it's, it's nice to have that push and that just an extra pair of boots on the ground just to talk to and help navigate the woods and, you know, be there to remember that the shenanigans that happen when we're hunting, like, She's got a better memory than I do, I think, and we we already have some stories. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Steve, you've probably, been. Go ahead, finish your thought I'll there, Lauren. Pro- I'll, I was going to say I'll probably record it. Yeah, good. That'd be awesome, Steve. You've been in this game a long time. 
a long time. <laughs> well, I was I was going to say that, but I was going to leave it for you. But uh, you know, what have you seen? I mean, let's let's dive into this a little bit. Have you ever had a Have you ever had a trusted hunting partner that um, you valued spending time in the woods with? Oh yeah, Chris. Uh, I've had several over the years. Uh, and without, you know, going through a long la- laundry list of them, uh, uh, there was a guy that was a, a World War II vet back in West Virginia that when my dad would be away working, I would go hunting with him. Howard met us. He and I spent many, many nights together. I was young. I would call him up, and I knew I could tell by his voice that he really didn't want to go. He was tired. He he had a severe injury and walked with a very pronounced limp, but he would go all night once you got him out there. And so I always remember Howard. He was a great hunting buddy. And then when I moved to Michigan, there was an older farmer there, Bud Bauer, who was a, a retired coon hunter. He had quit altogether. And, um, his hearing wasn't good from working in the paper mills there, but I coaxed him out and we started hunting together and we, we hunted many, many nights together while I was there. But, and then kind of fast forward to, uh, to today, uh, Nubbin Moore up, uh, lives in Birmingham, Alabama area. He and I, uh, worked together at UKC. He was a field rep and uh, he and I got to be friends over the years. And, you know, Nubbin and I have traveled a lot of miles now together. We've been 10 years now uh, going to the White River in Arkansas. And uh, it's interesting. uh, (laughs) We had planned to go out to Batesville, Mississippi this uh, year for the uh, UKC Winter Classic. But uh, it falls on his birthday Mm -hmm. and Valentine's Day. So his (laughs) wife has a big deal planned. So that kind of, you know, put the stops on our Batesville trip. But so we planned a three-day hunt in Alabama in February. So we'll be up there at a new spot, uh, cabins, four-wheelers, the whole bit. So, uh, yeah. What have you looked for in, in hunting partners over the years? What's an essential, essential thing that you need in a hunting partner? Not only what you're looking for, but I also want to talk about what we can do to be a good hunting partner. You know, Chris, you're, I'm following your, your train of thought perfectly on this. And I think the latter that you mentioned there is probably the more important of the two. And that's what kind of a hunting partner can I be? And here's what I try to be. Uh, I try to be accommodating, uh, to the other person's wishes. It's not all about me. It's not all about my dog. Um, just little things. I, I met a new, uh, hunter here in Florida recently. And, uh, you know, and when he and I went hunting the first time I offered to buy gas, he said, well, he looked at me like, what, you know, um, little things like that, you know, and, um, be complimentary of the other guy's dog. Uh, be accepting of the other guy's way of hunting if it's not necessarily your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't be the I. You know, I particularly have to be careful about saying, "Well, I've been doing this for so many years, and this is the way you need to do it." Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. You know, you have to kind of ease in, 
to the pool, stick your toe in, see how the person, you know, operates and try to, to match his or her style as much as you can. Now, if it's a brand new hunter, you know, they have lots of questions and of course we, we want to answer those, but so being, you know, being a good hunting partner ourselves, I think is the first job. Um, but then secondly, you know, find somebody that you just feel comfortable with. I've said this for many years about people. Would I want to get in the truck and drive 500 miles to a hunt with this guy? And mm. if I can say, yeah, you know, I think I would enjoy that experience. And certainly, you know, in the case of Nubbin and me, we, you know. We, yeah, that guy's like living, gold. He's, he's yeah. a good guy never had anybody ever say anything bad about the guy yeah, i'm yet to hear the first the first word and i've been <laughs> blessed with a lot of hunter, uh, hunting buddies like that but you know what we do is we just try to go at our own speed we don't try to push each other uh we don't uh you know we try to be honest about what the dogs are doing but not critical uh you know, and, and if I say my, if my dog messed up and I'm telling him the tale of the hunt, I tell him that the dog messed up. Uh, he does the same, you know, it, it's just being comfortable, I think with someone. Um, and that's not easy to find because we all have our own ideas about right. the way that things should work. And I think that's what social media has done a lot to harm our Oh sport. my gosh. Because yeah. people are so critical of other people and the way they do things. Well, we see. And it, go ahead, Lauren. You, you. I've got a thought, say, but it, I want you to jump in. Yeah, and in the end, like we're out there to have fun. We're we're there for the camaraderie. We're there just to, you know, see our dogs, hear our dogs, and that's that's what it should be. I mean, sure, you know, some of my friends and I will have a little friendly competition, you know, I'll strike this dog and, you know, she's treated before, blah, blah, blah. But that's because we're friends and that we know how it's going to go. <laughs> I used to, do, I used to be like that. And uh, I used to do that. And now I've gotten to the point where I've just look at people and say, I didn't realize we were at a, we were in a night hunt, <laughs> you know, right. We do it. Right jokingly well we did too and i i guess for me and some people some people take it take it the wrong way and mm -hmm. and but um one of the things that i see constantly and i've been guilty of this myself and i think this is just a normal part of maturing not only as a hunter but also as a as a person is humility is underrated in our culture we we do not celebrate humility the way we should. Yeah, and, that's true. Agreed. And uh, you know, it seems like every time I'm I go with a younger or a newer houndsman, then they feel the need to impress. You know, tell me the things that they know, the things that, and like I said, I've done this myself. I've been through this phase myself, and the most enjoyable hunts I have is when everybody is just being very open and honest about things you know what's your dog doing in there the best he can do that's what he's doing you know there's no <laughs> expectation of of miracle workers and you know wonder dogs and all this other stuff and just approach it with humility and and that gets a lot of invitations back to hunt you know what i mean 
Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mentioned that I met a, a new hunter recently and right up front, he told me, you know, Hey, I haven't been doing this very long. I don't know anything. He said, I have, I have dif difficulty sometimes knowing what the dogs are doing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you can't learn said, that went, overnight. I mean, you don't learn right. that in your sleep by osmosis or something. Exactly. And, and that's what I always tell new people. And all and I said, well, just the more time you can spend with that dog and yeah. listen to that dog and try to understand what that dog is telegraphing to you when it barks a certain way. Is it confused? Is it confident? Is it, is it frustrated? Uh, you know, all those kind of things, uh, you know, the dog can't talk, but he can, or she can really communicate with that handler that's tuned in, you know, so those are the little things that I try to talk about with people, you know, without trying to present a holier than thou attitude, you mm -hmm. know, that you need to listen to me because I, I know everything and you know, little, and man, this must've been your lucky night to get to go hunting with me, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Can I, can I share, well, can I share a quick story about my recent West Virginia trip? Cause it's real relevant oh, to what yeah. we're talking about. Okay, so I tried to get out to uh, West Virginia and hunt with Evan Workman out there uh, in northern West Virginia. And Evan hunts with a group of people. And to break this down for you, this group of people, you've got um, uh, a couple guys in the group that are the ground pounders. You know, they still, if there's not snow on, then they're walking their dogs through the, the woods, down the ridges, and everything like that. And to lay this out, everybody's got a radio. Everybody's using the same tracking equipment, the the uh, Astro 320, so everybody can see everybody's dogs. And this is bear hunting. Bear hunting, yes. Yep. So these guys are all bear hunting. Now, in this group, you have your ground pounders. You've got your support guys that uh, when one of the ground pounders' dogs hit a track and run it into some remote area then they can move around and and be able to put fresh dogs or pack dogs in on a bear race or if the dogs need to be caught they can catch dogs you've also got people in this group that don't even have a hound they've never they they they're on every bear hunt but they never have a hound with them and they're sitting there and they're tracking dogs they're communicating on the radio they're keeping everybody informed and they just work together like a well-oiled machine, a team that that everybody knows what their job is, and they're there to support for one common cause, and that is to catch black bears in West Virginia. And when you sit back and you watch this and you dissect it, you realize how much humility, and I keep going back to that, there is involved in that. Because I'll give a shout-out to a guy that, that – um, doesn't get a lot of press over there, but that's Brian Short. Brian is a guy that is a support guy. You know, he's tracking, he's got dogs in his truck, but he doesn't need to be the guy out there on the ridges um, putting in those miles because he's better used, utilized in that support role. Now, will Brian get out of the truck and get into a tree? Yeah, we walked over a mountain, and Brian's already there at the tree with some other houndsmen, and he's doing his thing. He knows what he's doing. Then you've got Brian Hudkins that, that doesn't have a dog, but he knows those mountains like the back of his hand. 
and and he can tell you hey they're going into this creek or they're going into this area and keep everybody informed it, it, there's retired guys that come out that do the same thing they know the mountains and they can track dogs and they're keeping everybody directed and they're very effective and very efficient doing that that's just a cool system that they've got yeah. going over there well you've that's... described exactly the group that i spent a week hunting with in december in virginia uh, you know not all that far away with uh, heath hyatt and glenn price and all of those guys over there and they operate just the way you described that uh chris you know uh, there's a lot of different players with different jobs and they don't, there's no meeting at the beginning of the hunt to say, okay, you're assigned to this and you're right. assigned to that. Yeah. They just assume that, you know, what they're good at, you know, they, they know what their capabilities are. I walked to several trees in that week. I also stood on the road when <laughs> I could see that bear up there on the top of that mountain. I saw that you video. could see him, but it's like a black speck. I said, this boy is going to stay here. And I remember that well. video. <laughs> yeah. I remember that video. But yeah, everybody falls into their own role. And there's a group up by us uh, when we bear hunt called Sioux River. And we interact with them. And, you know, sometimes we end up merging with them and hunting um, that has the same kind of system worked out. So it's kind of fun to meld into that group once in a while. And, you know, if, if we ever need help, we know their channel. They know our channel. And, you know, they're there mm -hmm. if you need them. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, uh, oh, excuse me, Lauren, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I, I don't know what you were going to say, Steve, but I was going to talk a little bit more about being accommodating. There you go. Sure. Um, so sure. You, you've got to be accommodating, you know, in the woods and, and how you hold yourself and things like that. But also for me, um, my current hunting buddy, Andrea, well, first of all, she doesn't have a hound. She's new to this. So there's a lot of questions and I'm so happy to answer them. And I'm, I get excited when she's got a, a something like a, the first time she spotted a coon by herself, the first um, time she handled a dog yeah. and what, what, what it could be. Um, but accommodating too, in, in our hunting relationship is, you know, we kind of trade off. Okay. Am I coming down by you to hunt? or you want to come up here, she gets a coon, I get a coon. We trade off, you know, depending on how many coon we get, or one night she keeps it, the other night I keep it, um, things like that. So that's another thing, like, during hunting season that you've got to keep in mind as well. Agreed. And the value of a good wheel man or woman is underrated. Donnie Walston <laughs> and I hunt quite a few times together a year. And occasionally his dad, Jay, will go with us. Well, Jay's not going to walk these hills and hollers like we can. And nobody can walk them like Donnie does, so I do the best I can. But uh, Jay is down on the road. So when we're walking out to the next road, it's not always easiest to walk back to the truck. He will meet us around there. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah. you know, a word of encouragement. I know so many houndsmen, or, or uh, especially coon hunters here, that once they can't walk or once they can't do the physical part, they just kind of go to seed and they, they, they don't get involved. And I would encourage these these hunters with years and decades of experience to stay after it and be involved where they can and how they can 
because when we get around to the truck, you know, Jay will have his analysis of what happened in there and and have some valuable information. Say, hey, you know, I heard this dog doing this on this hillside, and we listen to nice. it. Nice. We listen nice. to it. So yeah. Well, and that's our job, too, with, with our elders um, who aren't able to get out there um, as well as we can is don't don't leave them by the wayside. Don't forget about them. I agree. You know, yeah. Well, and, and another thing, and especially I think this has applied to me, uh, is get a young dog. <laughs> you know, get a dog that you're excited about uh, and get out there. You know, you know that dog needs to be out. The dog needs to be worked. So get out there with that dog. Maybe you can't go five or six nights a week. You can go one or two. Uh, you know, and, uh, that's always a good, um, incentive to get out and, and get to the woods is, is have a dog that you enjoy, you know, and that's where I am right now with this Walker pup. I'm having a lot of fun with him. I see progress, you know, every time we go and, uh, but, uh, that's, that's been a real, um, game changer for me when you know hot my horse dog my plot is getting old he's 11 i'm certainly not getting any younger it'd be I can't pretty easy he's for me 11 already yeah it's unreal isn't it yeah yeah it, it, and it would be real easy for me to say well hoss you and i we've had a lot of fun let's just sit by the fire mm-hmm. you know and 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 share the memories but i'm not to that point yet in fact i'm I'm kind Good. of really getting the fever Good. again. You know, Good. So, yeah. Piper's, you know, I had a literal fever the other day, but Piper's definitely got me, like, I, I am so giddy every time I go out with her. And I've just, I have this grin on my face, and I've never had a dog like this. Um, and it, it's, I'm just, I am so excited. Do you notice, Chris, how she's talking like a veteran already? Oh yeah, you know <laughs> never she's, had a she's dog never like had this. a dog like this, and this is actually her second dog, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, Lauren. That's fantastic. Yeah. She's a little coontrier. I've been watching the. Uh, oh man. And all she's she's doing it, and she? and uh, she's getting gritty. Like she used to not get gritty, and now she is. And man, is it fun! <laughs> I mean. I guess she has fun, and then later, you know, we play doctor, and we got to drain the abscess and all that, but... <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I always I always look for in a hunting partner is somebody that, that can also be dependable. Um, you know, somebody that's, that's not going to bail out at the last second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, and things happen. I, I get that. But, um, I got taught a long time ago. I, I, I was 12 minutes late to meet somebody. And this older hunter that, that I was hunting with looked at me and said, you had three more minutes and I was leaving and he wasn't joking, you know? So I think we have to be courteous of other people's times and, and have that, have that expectation that if you can't be on time, that you're going to get left and not get butt hurt over it when you do. Um, or let me put that in perspective. When I take when I take Ella to work and she's still working, she tells me this is her last year, but we'll see. <laughs> but <laughs> when I'm supposed to pick her up at four fifteen, I don't go at four thirty. 
I don't go at a quarter to five. If at all possible, I'm at there at four ten. <laughs> right, right. Because I understand exactly. <laughs> that she's not going to be happy. And as they say, if Mama Hen isn't happy, nobody's happy. But that's that has always been a problem, I think, with hunters. Is oh well, you know, um, I couldn't make it. Uh, he'll go on hunting. Uh, it's no big deal. Uh, but uh, and I know I used to frustrate my buddies in Raleigh, North Carolina. When I lived there, there were a couple older hunters and, uh, you know, occasionally I'd be 10 or 15 minutes late and I would always call though, mm -hmm. you know, and say, I'm going, I'm running late. I'm sorry. You know, and, but that was on me. I, I shouldn't have been late. I should have somehow left 10 or 15 minutes early. You know, well, so some, sometimes that's, yeah, sometimes that's, but it's not something that's, um, you know, constantly happening with you occasionally things happen but you've got s some people who feel like that i mean it's just a you've got people that are chronically late all the mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. and that's just being inconsiderate i'm just going to say it i'll just put it out there it's being inconsiderate yeah. you 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 are worried about you you aren't putting enough importance on this other person's time to plan your plan your day, plan your drive, plan your, you know, how long it's going to get you, take you to get loaded up. You know, mm -hmm. your, your hunting room probably, if you have one, probably looks like a disaster area and you're looking for your boots every day. Um, <laughs> you know, you're looking for the, your Garmin Astra, your Garmin handheld every day, every time you go hunting, you know, you can't remember where you put your car keys. So, uh, just or, just organize a little bit, you know? Well, when you get my age, you have to have a place for everything <laughs> because you will not ever find it if you don't. Steve, you've had a place for everything as long as I've known you. Anybody that looks in the top of your dog box, I mean, everything is compartmentalized up there. We have dog collars in this container here. We have leashes here. We've got double snap. I've never seen any, anybody that's listening to this. If you have an opportunity, look in the top of Steve Fielder's dog box. You need to do it. <laughs> Chris, I think I think you just described what my my hunting room <laughs> slash my laundry room what, what I'm recording for looks like now. I mean, people know me. Um I, I you know, I try not to be late, but I'm I'm organized chaos. I know where everything is most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's a little chaotic and, and a lot of that right now has to do with limited plugs in this old farmhouse there is like one outlet in every room and it's it's kind of hard to get everything charged that you need to charge in the in the same place <laughs> so yeah, well yeah. a word to the wise the first thing you do when you get in from the hunt is you put your equipment on charge the very first thing, because something will happen that you'll forget, or maybe feed the dog if you normally feed them when you get in from hunting. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Phillips. Hey. Jimmy Phillips. Yeah. We used to go down to Southern Georgia and hunt with him. <laughs> when you come in from hunting with Jimmy Phillips, okay, <laughs> he's got every single thing organized. I mean, everything is organized. Every dog goes back in its kennel. Every dog gets fed. Then he gets out his Windex and he sprays down every collar and wipes down every single tracking Truth. collar. Oh my! Yeah. Truth. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it Been goes right there, goes that. right back Been. in his spot. And but 
you know, I'm not going saying we need to go to that extreme all the time, but that's a system that works for him. And I picked up something from it when I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, this doesn't take this long to be somewhat organized here. So, right. yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you, like, I'm I'm not to that Windex part yet. Piper's still carrying around blood from last Friday. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chris- judge me all you want, followers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Chris, can I get back to this little uh, tour a little bit about my fall hunts? Yeah. And then we can move on to... We'll we'll spin off of that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I went to Mississippi and hunted Cruz in his first licensed hunt. That was on a Friday night. We didn't get any update on that. Well, yeah, well, that's probably one of the the reasons why there wasn't much to say. Okay. Humility, uh, Steve. Right. We went We went a day early for our White River trip and went over to our good friend Mike Crockett's there in Mississippi around Senatobia. That's just kind of south of uh, Memphis. Um, and uh, Mike's always very accommodating. Uh, and uh, it's almost like he runs a bunkhouse there. He's a cowboy. I mean, he does it. He ropes. He's got some really nice roping horses there. And he he builds metal fences out of pipe, farm fences and corrals and all kinds of stuff. Real interesting guy. It's been a really good breeder of black and tan coonhounds for a number of years. But anyway, their club had a doubleheader. And I, I went out. It's a one-hour hunt on the early round. So I, I, uh, I drew uh, Mike with a black and tan female and drew um, uh, a fellow with a a three or four year old Walker dog. And, uh, we made too many trees. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but it was kind of interesting right down at the end of the hunt. I'm sitting first and first for our listeners. That means I got first strike. I got first tree. And I'm thinking if I've got a coon here, I win this thing. Good for me. And, uh, it was as slick as the proverbial doorknob. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's the frustrations of hunting a young dog with other dogs that want to tree a lot. And, uh, so that's kind of what that, what happened. And I made the decision not to hunt in the second round because I knew I would be drawing probably some more of the same. And I'm not blaming the other dogs. Mine was just as guilty. So that, but it was his first trip to town. First time he'd been introduced to a cast of dogs and and all and there were no problems you know whatsoever but that sounds pretty much just like piper's first hunt Mm -hmm. yeah 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 well you know and that's and getting back to this hunting buddy thing real quick and i'm gonna go down a rabbit path here but a lot of times people want to hunt alone because they have a young dog that they want to solo out and I understand that. And I try to be accommodating in that regard. You know, my buddy down here, Gordy, has got a young plot female that he's hunting right now. She started well. She's doing good. Uh, she's only about coming nine months old. So he's hunting her a little by herself. And I understand that for sure. But uh, anyway, Arkansas was not the White River experience that it usually is. This year, the coon population was down due to severe flooding virtually all year long out there. Um, During the breeding season, they even say the squirrels and the deer and all that 
is down considerably this year. So, so we did tree coons every night, um, and we harvested from one to four, I think was probably, uh, the count. Uh, but it, it was kind of slow this year compared to, to other years. And, uh, but then I, I went up to Virginia. Uh, well, we took that little boat ride over to the, to the Bahamas mm-hmm. with Ella and her daughter and, and grandkids and enjoyed that. That was some R and R for about five days and drank some little fruity drinks and, uh, and, um, you know, sat in the sun and, and played bingo and, you know, all that exciting stuff that you do on a cruise apparently. But, uh, went to Virginia bear hunted for five days, treat a bear every day up there. So we had a great time up there and that's pretty much the recap on that, on that fall tour. Yeah. Lauren, tell us about your, just give us an overview of, of what you've been doing since the weather turned cold up there with your blue ticks. Um, getting out as, as much as I can. And I know I should be out more, um, just coon hunting. Uh, that's what I do in, in the fall and the winter. And, um, there's not a whole lot to say. Like I said, we've Piper and I've been having fun. I took timber out a couple times. Um, who is Piper's aunt on her her uh, dad's side. And Timber is a dog that I got uh, when she was about three years old. And she wasn't hunting and, you know, kind of was doomed. And I, I took her and um, we're, we're trying. We're definitely trying. Um, she's, she's a tree dog, um, but the whole track situation we're, we're still working on. And I think it's a lot of confidence. Um, she likes to follow Piper and she needs to get hunted alone. I actually loaned her to Andrea the other night and Andrea had a little bit of fun with her. Um, we've been getting in swamps, thickets. Uh, we call the, the coon that we've been treeing lately, we've been calling them super coon because these things, a will just not die. Um, and B, you are going through the worst territory to get to them. They are smart. Hmm. I will give them that. Very smart. Um, or it's just Piper is a colder-nosed dog, so she will pick up a track, and she will take it. And she'll cold trail for a long time, and, you know, that means the coon could be far away. Um so we've gotten into some nasty stuff. We've gotten lost in the woods and I will say You've got honestly, lost? Oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. for I how get, long? Um Are not, you talk you talking lost lost for days or are you just talking temporarily no, disoriented? Te- temporarily disoriented, like okay. going the wrong direction for a while and then looking and you're like, Oh crap. Um <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you, like looking at the Garmin I don't necessarily like it as much to get out of the woods um, than getting my phone out and using Onyx. I will tell you that right now. Um, it has been a savior when we were in these like thickets where you, you couldn't, even if with your light, everything looked the same. You're in uh, these, these big bushes in a swamp, so you're knee deep, and the, the branches are four inches apart everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you are it's 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 hell it's what it is like 
if if I had to if if hell happened, that would be it. <laughs> for me. <laughs> hey, Lauren, let me interrupt real quick. The guy I went hunting with this week, he says, they told me to get a coon dog, they said. You'll have fun, they said. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, I'll That t- is the the ongoing saying. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. Garmin's are a wonderful tool. Onyx Hunt is a wonderful tool. But, man, it has made a bunch of ignorant idiots out of all of us when it comes to traveling the woods. You know, since I got a Garmin, I mean, I never, ever had problems with remembering directions. It's made me lazy because I know I've got that Garmin on me or I know I've got, you know, different things. Or even our our smartphones, like Google, Maps. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, and, and Steve can certainly relate to this, and... I've been doing this for 35 years. I was a land nav guru when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, You know, I'd watch guys struggle with with compass work and different things like that, but I'd spent so much time in the woods that I didn't have to stare at a compass all the time. I didn't have – I just had a sense of direction. But since I got that Garmin, I have found myself becoming extremely mentally lazy when it comes to – um, navigating around in the woods, especially at night. During the day, I don't have a problem, but at night, I get lazy, and it's all because of technology. Sure. And I'll tell you, um, a lot of times when I do get turned around, it is new places or new places that the dog takes me, and yeah. you're at a loss. And it's, you know, sure, I lean on technology. I think at one point, Andrea and I were both thinking, like, do we just hunker down? Like, it's our, you know, we got a couple hours till morning. <laughs> we were like, I've got a, we were literally thinking, like, we're gonna sleep here tonight. Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a bandana. It's called a uh, survival bandana. It's put out by the Indiana Hunter, or I'm sorry, the International Hunter Education Association, and it's got the whole deal on it about shelter and fire. And I'm gonna order one for you and give it to you. <laughs> it's bright orange it's bright orange you can use it to oh, like man. flag in the airlift and stuff like that too hey if they can see us under those thickets even in the winter good luck yeah, yeah. My, my dad but, used my dad used to say he had never been lost in his life he said i've been turned around for two or three days at a time <laughs> but he said i've never been lost that's right so maybe that's where you are lauren yeah, yeah. Turned we, around and do we hunker down for a couple hours? Let's <laughs> let's get out the survival bandana and we'll look and see yeah. how to build a shelter. Well, we we need we need some directions on how to survive. Like <laughs> it's thirty five degrees outside. We're not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, coon hunting. One of the easiest ways to get turned around is shining a tree. Absolutely. You know, you walk in and then you start shining that tree, walking around in circles. And the first thing you know, you don't have a clue which way the truck is. Yeah. Of course, now out in Arkansas and those big flat open bottoms that we hunt there, we use flashing lights. We put on our uh, ATVs Ah. and I have a little and, and the light color of choice is blue. Because you can see that blue light farther than you can see anything else. And we have these little lights. It's like a strobe, like they Mm -hmm. use on the railroad. And it blinks. And we just hang it up on a limb by the four-wheeler. Because here you're in, in, you know, just thousands of acres of woods. And it all looks the same. 
So, uh, of course, you do have the Garmin and all, but that's a big help because you can just hone in on that blinking light and just walk straight back to your vehicle. You don't have to be looking at the Garmin and, and, and you know, all that deal. But, I, you I know, got... and... Go ahead. Finish I just your thought. thought of another. I just thought of another story, too. So go ahead, Steve. Finish. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to say back in my day, you know, in West Virginia, you go up the creek on the right hand right. side. You come back down on the it's on your yeah. left. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those flatwoods like the, the White River bottoms, though, those are those are harder to navigate. Oh, than yeah. in the mountains because even against the skyline you can see terrain features and stuff like that mm-hmm. but when you're in that flat river bottoms or a thousand mm-hmm. acre cornfield sure. you gotta you gotta take some things into consideration on on that stuff i'll give you a real mm-hmm. quick story about this is part of being a hunting partner and maybe the the uh downfalls of of being a good guest okay so we're hunting in south georgia in the swamp on a plantation and these dogs are treed 150 yards away from the truck now when you hunt with jimmy phillips on a plantation when you walk away from the truck he leaves all his parking lights on because it's pitch black down there um, so that you can see see the truck if you get close and um, great system so i walk in to a tree with the guy i travel with and two other guys that uh, just came and hunted with us that night and jimmy was back at the truck we walk in 150 yards into this tree, we shine the tree, and the guys that were from Georgia, and I'm thinking, okay, these guys know, should know where they're at, we start walking away from this tree. And I looked at Andy and I said, we're walking the wrong way. And Andy's like, well, maybe they know a shortcut. Yeah, they knew a shortcut. Yeah. By the time it was over, we waited three miles through swamps, over blowdowns, up and over you know, dry spots, and Jimmy picked us up three miles and three hours three hours later Mm. away from there so yeah you can get lost in in this flat country and in the flat country of this uh united states that's for sure it's harder for me yeah it's a it's a frustrating thing to be turned around or or confused or lost the whole time i'm walking out i'm thinking why didn't i just say guys we are going the wrong way Mm-hmm. We're going the wrong way. Hey. Well, you were being a good guest. You, you follow know? your hound, I'll follow mine. I'm following That's mine back right. to the truck this direction. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been turned around in the swamps in the fog in Michigan. Oh, in yeah. In swamps and, uh, you know, come out on the wrong side of the section, which is a mile square around, and then have to walk all the way back around a mile down to the corner and half a mile back. And, you know, not not pleasant stuff. But You always uh, get out there and you're thinking, how did I get here? Exactly, yeah. The truck yeah. should be here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a hunt one time in Ohio. This was at a plot sectional. I think the club was Somerset, Ohio. And uh, I drew out with, you guys will love this, I drew out with three blue ticks, and I had the only plot. And at one point, the judge, I remember saying, now, buddy, I heard that cur dog bark over there somewhere. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, all night long, we we got, we were hunting these strip mines and, and, you know, wandering around through the real estate, multiflora rose thickets and all kinds of lovely stuff. 
And uh, he kept saying, boys, I know that that truck somewhere, that truck is somewhere. And he kept walking. Now that truck somewhere. And I thought, yeah, it's somewhere on this green globe that, that <laughs> I was we're... just going to say that it's <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> but where is the question? Yeah. And we did, you know, we walked a long, long way this way and that before we ever got back. But those were the days before, you know, GPS and, and whatnot. So. Right. Right. Well, hey, we're going on an hour, and um, Lauren, I know you have uh, an appointment here in a few minutes that you need to take care of. But before we sign off, let's uh, let's talk about because this this show should come out before we're in Arizona. Matter of fact, we'll just make sure it does. But yeah, um, let's do a little build up for this this hunt in Arizona. Oh yeah, looking forward to it for sure. Uh, I've been following your advice, Chris. I've been doing a little internet shopping uh, for uh, uh, some some clothing items and things like that. And I've been talking to Calvin Redhouse about a few things and uh, getting kind of pumped about it. It's it's uh, going to be a great time out there and uh, uh, something. Yeah, I can't believe we get to go do this, and th- I think it's just awesome. Yeah no doubt it's awesome lauren and and um it's a great opportunity and it's the maybe one of one of the the biggest value to me from doing this podcast is i've said it before but it's meeting the people that we bring on the show and then being able to go and experience where they're hunting see their dogs see their style of hunting um you know and and just experience that stuff we've hunted with shorty gorham and gary robertson and um who else have we hunted with that we met on the podcast can you think of anybody else so far steve well Mm. there's a lot of people that are going to be on the podcast yet coming up right yeah you you know that yeah well my experiences of hunting with people like randy smith the walker breeder up in pennsylvania and more recently the bear hunting uh, a canine officer in Virginia, Heath Hyatt, and uh, you know the, the various ones and several that I, that I hope that we will have on the podcast. But you're right, Chris. That's a it's a tremendous opportunity. And I will say this is going to be my very first mountain lion hunt. I've hunted you know all kinds of things with hounds, but I've never hunted a mountain lion. So that's going to be a first for me. Same here. Uh, never even seen one in real life at the zoo or anything, but uh, I'll tell you guys right now, I have the perfect sweatshirt. <laughs> the perfect I, sweatshirt. Okay. The perfect sweatshirt. And I, sweatshirts are required, right, Chris? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, this is my base layer. No, no. Uh, so it was gifted to me by uh, someone very special. <laughs> my hunting buddy andrea and she found it at like a vintage store goodwill or something like that and i cannot wait to show you guys <laughs> this All sounds right. like it's going to be entertaining as well yeah i mean it's 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 completely appropriate so All no right. worries about that but yeah. yeah you know that's one of the things that uh i think we overlook is there's a if you scroll through social media you can find all kinds of uh premium hunting gear that you need to spend your money on and when you get down to it there's a lot of things that our grandfathers did 
that made a lot of sense. Um, and things that you can wear in the field where you don't have to break the bank to do it. It's just having the basic knowledge of, I've looked at a lot of premium hunting outfits and, and I own some, but, uh, some of my, my go-tos are things like Woolrich shirts, wool shirts, uh, you know, button down flannel type wool shirts and, and, uh, military wool gear. Um, you know, some of that stuff is still very effective. Yeah, you, you use what what you got and buy what you need and make it all come together. Yeah. Sure. Well, that that's me. Most of my hunting gear, you know, and it served me really well. And I've I've collected quite a bit over the years, but it's old school. I I understand that, but I've pretty much figured out what works for me. Yeah. You know, and I lived in Michigan twenty two years and pretty severe winter conditions and. And especially late in the winter when I'd be coyote hunting with friends and that sort of thing. So kind of learn what works for me. As I get older, I notice that warmth is more important. You know, I I think our, I don't know if it's our metabolism slows down or blood gets thinner or whatever, but it's a little harder to, to stay warm the older right. you get. But yeah, I, I guess think staying warm and dry are probably the two two main deals. Yeah, and I guess I guess my my point of bringing that up about how to dress in premium hunting gear is there's if you can look at and look at the systems and then duplicate it, then you can be successful. I think most people, and I don't mean to throw the Eastern houndsmen under the bus, but I learned how to dress for the outdoors from my Western houndsmen friends that are in those mountains every day, and and they don't mm -hmm. overdress. They don't overdress because um, I'll give you give you a reason why. Uh, Donnie Walson one time was talking about people that would come and um, hunt with him when he owned Big Country, and they'd say, "Man, is that all you're going to wear? Are you is that all you're going to wear out here and to hunt? It's cold out here tonight." He said, "I don't plan on standing here long enough to get cold, you know, because that dog's <laughs> going to get in there and get treat." But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we bulk up with things like Carhartt insulated bibs and cotton sweatshirts and two base layers and a flannel shirt. And then we start walking and we get wet and we get sweaty. And then all of that material holds that moisture and it makes you miserable the rest of the day. So... You know, my, my typical kit for hunting in the mountains or even around here anymore is a base layer. Um, the first light sawbuck pants are awesome. Uh, I mentioned them before. They're like pajama pants with armor on them because they stretch in four ways. And that's one of the things for me as I get older is mobility and flexibility. If I'm wearing a stiff pair of pants or whatever, then then I don't travel through the country as well as I used to. But there's a lot of things we can learn about how to dress for the elements and make our, make our experience in the woods a lot more, a lot more, uh, pleasurable without breaking the bank. So that's one thing we're going to get an education on for sure is, is, uh, dressing for the mountains. So I can't wait to see your sweatshirt, Lauren. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be, be mountain gear, but it'll definitely be, uh, after the hunt gear. Awesome. Or... <laughs> you know, dinner at night. Well, um, yeah. Okay. But 
but no ugly Christmas sweaters or anything in camp, okay? <laughs> well, Christmas is over, but, you know, I, I do have a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's talk about some feedback we're getting from uh, from our listeners real quick. Yeah. You guys got you guys got any exa- anything you want to bring up? Any messages that you've gotten in regards to the podcast? Um, I'll just kind of start it off. I've got a review, a, a few reviews here on our um, on our podcast page. And by the way, um, the last time I checked, I'll just pull it up right now and we'll see what we got here. But um, the last time I checked, we had like 215 reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're up to 220, 224 today. Okay, um, but people are reaching out there. They're they're giving us a review on on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a comment. And the reason we keep encouraging people to do that is because it keeps us at the top at the top of the game. If you go into Apple Podcasts and you click in Houndsman or type in Houndsman as a search, then Houndsman XP Podcast comes up because our listeners are going in there and they're leaving us reviews. So that's that's what I would I would uh, say about that. Um, yeah, if you're listening, it it takes two seconds. It's right on the same page. Just give us some stars. Write a couple things down. Click that right yep. hand star, the fur, farthest yep. one on the right. <laughs> don't don't give us one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know I've heard some feedback, um, and, and not to you know boil up some haterade or anything, but uh, I know there's people that appreciate the. The younger voice. I mean, there's 20 years between each of us, between, you know, Steve and Chris and Chris and me. And um, maybe, I, you know, they, they enjoy the female perspective or, you know, the chaos that I bring to this mix, too. So It's, it's well, refreshing. Yeah. Sure, sure. And that's kind of the idea, I think, with this team. Um, Chris will agree, I believe, yep. that, uh, you know, to I have, know where try, to, try to try to have something for everyone out there. We don't all think the same. And especially as you get older, you know, I, I have a boatload of memories, you know, to share, but a lot of those memories may not be, uh, you know, relative. They may not resonate with a younger person. Um, the person that doesn't know, uh, the, uh, a time when there weren't tracking collars or cell phones or, any, right. Any of those other conveniences, you know, written uh, books, you know, maybe you were just on papyrus at that time, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Used to cut, chew the end of my finger off and write it in blood on a piece of birch bark, you know. <laughs> and we're all uh, different levels of of hunting experience too. Yeah. Right. Right. One thing. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. I, real quick, Steve. Go, no. One thing I just throw out there is this podcast is not scripted. It's not rehearsed. And when topics come up and we have something relative to say about it, then it's then we do jump in. So um, that happens in every conversation we have. It, my wife and I have been married for almost 25 years now. And when we're talking about something... It's not always I sit back and let her complete her whole thought before I start talking. 
I know that would be a perfect world type thing. And we see TV shows where it's all scripted for our 30 minute sitcom where, you know, people don't interrupt each other. But when we have thoughts, we're going to have an occasional train wreck here and we're going to jump in and we're going to start talking. And, uh, it doesn't, it's not disparagement against any of our, we want you to listen to our guests and we want you to hear our guests, but sometimes that just happens. So like today, we didn't know we were going to talk about the hunting buddies. No, not really. Yeah. All right. right. Well, you know, that, that's a good point, Chris. And, and also, uh, you know, there's listeners out there right now. They're listening to this that, uh, enjoy, uh, the banter that we have back and forth and the talks about different areas of our sport. And that's what we want them to do. We want this to be fun. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, thrilled with the sound of my voice. There was a day in my life when my voice was much stronger than it is today, but it is what it is. But the thing of it is we're not trying to impress anybody with this show, but we are trying to, uh, uh, parlay information that we believe will be helpful to our listeners, entertaining to our listeners as they drive to work or, or back or from that hunting trip or whatever. I gained a hunting, uh, uh, buddy here recently because of the podcast. He'd listened to the podcast and looked me up, you know, so uh, there's a lot of fringe benefits for us. And, uh, and the comments, you know, uh, you know, I get, uh, sometimes I get comments that are not, um, you know, don't give me warm and fuzzy feelings. Um, but that's all part of it, you know, and, uh, our good buddy, uh, Clay Newcomb with, uh, bear hunting, uh, magazine podcast, uh, one time related about a video that he posted on YouTube yeah. and how there was a lot of negative feedback, you know? And uh, we're going to get that, and we got we can't be you know uh, thin-skinned about it. It's going to come. But I will say that uh, the responses that we've gotten, the, either the people are very very kind, or we are you know hitting the mark for a lot of people with this show. And I I hope that we can continue to do that. Well, Steve, I'm not, I'm certainly not telling people not to be critical. You know, we don't no, expect no, I, everything to be rosy and. You know, if you've got a concern or you see something we can do to improve, then then send us a private message on on um, on social media, Facebook, Facebook uh, Instagram, whatever, and we'll do what we can to address the issue. But so we understand, we we get it, but uh, we're doing well. I mean, we haven't had hardly. I really haven't received hardly any negative uh, feedback at all. And right. I think we're putting content out there that, that goes right along with our slogan to preserve, promote, and protect our sport. And we're going to talk about things that, that may not interest every listener every week, but we try to include things every week that do that sort of thing, to preserve, protect, and promote. And that can be, uh, we do that on social media. We try to post things that, that are helpful in that arena. Uh, we try to be entertaining, but sometimes there's just things that we have to talk about or we're going to talk about that are important to the survival of our sport. And I personally feel like that that is uh, our platform that we can continue to build upon. 
Sure. Right. Absolutely. There there wasn't a venue for it before and and here we can band together. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's a great segue into our friends out at W Supply, Chris, when you talk about the preserve, protect, and promote or uh, whatever. That slogan is on this great new shirt that we have. And, uh, man, you, you worked on that with the designers and all that. One fantastic-looking shirt. Man, I put that thing on. And the cuffs, have you noticed how those things fit your yeah. your wrist? And, mm-hmm. Man, that that's a super shirt. And I wore it the other day, and I got some great comments on it. So uh, just a shout-out to Buddy and the gang out there at W Supply for – Yeah, uh, and – yeah, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. And now I'm really Wait to interrupt. That, You're going to get the next well, negative feedback, Lauren. Yep, yep. Bring it on, guys <laughs> and gals. Um, but I was going to say, I, I just realized that this is going to air after um, uh, Christmas and after the the uh, New Year's Eve and everything. But, you know, please support us right now as we're talking. We've got a, a deal to have a uh, free decal and with with the shirt purchase and the first 10 orders would have had a uh, will have a Zepps Coon Squaller coming to them shortly. So right. thank you to everybody who's who's purchased them so far. Yeah, I just and, want to throw a caveat. Who started from the beginning. I want to throw a caveat in there real quick because I think this is important for our listeners to know. And I'm not being apologetic about anything. But if you think that we're talking about these hunting trips that we're going on, we're not making enough on this podcast to bankroll our hunting adventures across the United States. This Freedom Hunters trip, we are covering our own expense. Freedom Hunters is not covering that. Um, everything from license, I'm driving. Steve, Lauren, you're flying. You're covering. You are covering yeah. your own, own we personal our own expenses. Flights the other yep. day. We and, did good, didn't we, Lauren? Oh we yeah, did. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there will be a day where where houndsman xp can pay for those sort of things but if you're supporting us you're not sending us money for us to run around and hunt on it's just not happening the things we spend our money on are the the cost of t-shirts uh our hosts that host this podcast equipment it takes to to put this on um you know and just overall expense that we have so i just wanted to throw that out there in case anybody had that question whether or not where your money goes to support this your money goes to support uh, making sure that we can have a podcast first and foremost yeah. and it always will the intrinsic values that we're getting out of this thing by meeting calvin redhouse or shorty gorm or gary robertson or or any of our other you know having arlie reynolds on I doubt that we would have been able to, you would have ever heard from Arlie Reynolds, you the listener, if it had not been for Steve's past relationships with him and the fact that we were offering him a platform to speak on. And it's just just so valuable that we have this sort of a venue where people can get valuable information for the for the the heritage. And we, we've called this a sport, but I think we need to start calling it a heritage because sports aren't mm-hmm. going to tradition. Yeah, tradition, our heritage, our hound yeah. hunting heritage is what we're trying to trying to preserve here. Yeah, if I can put a bow on that, Chris, I think when you, when the listeners hear uh, us talk about you know uh, support the podcast, uh, do it. You know, 
go to something like Freedom Hunters or go to W Supply, you know, spend a couple of bucks. You'll get something you need out of it. And most of all, you get the feeling that you're doing something to promote and preserve your heritage. How'd I do there? I used the word, right? Heritage. Absolutely. And, Pronounced and, it right, too. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so when we ask for support, uh, the point is kick in a buck or two bucks, whatever you can do uh, and uh, to keep this thing going. We'll all have fun with it. We, I know with the new year coming up, we're going to have a lot of good guests coming up for you. And uh, appreciate everybody just listening to us uh, catch up on the, on the year today. But um, just do what you can to keep this thing going, and we'll do yeah. our best too. We, we know you like listening in the car on the way to or from work. We want to keep that up for you. Yep. No doubt. You bet. So I'm excited to share some of my stories and, and do some recording coming up. And hopefully you guys, both you, Chris and Steve, and, and our listeners will get a kick out of the uh, shenanigans that, that I've gotten to with a couple of people here. It's always fun, Lauren. <laughs> It's always fun, yeah. there's no doubt. Yep. Well, I will be recording after our Arizona hunt. I'm going to go on up through the west and and uh, go up through Utah and, and re- record another episode of the uh, the uh, Houndsman Hound Training 101 with Jared Moss on my way up. Uh, then I'll be in camp with a couple friends of mine up in Condon, Montana, uh, up in that area to chase lions for a couple weeks, and then... So, you guys are going to have to pick up the ball and. Oh, we can handle it, right, oh. Lauren? You better oh, believe yeah. it. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. I think it's going to be some long-winded conversations. Just we might get... need to rope each other in a little bit. <laughs> we need to no, just get get the ratings uh, there. You're going to see the records, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you and your numbers, Steve. Yeah. Well, by the way, we just passed the seventy thousand mark. I'm sure by the time this podcast. Uh, uh, airs will be past 75 maybe uh, honing in on 80,000 that's unbelievable so, big, big thanks it happened quick yeah really really yep yep well hey we need to sign off i got a christmas party to go to and uh you I've guys got, got stuff going on yeah. Well, you know, Chris, you mentioned Christmas, and I'll say this real quick, and maybe I can say it on behalf of you and Lauren as well. Uh, we hope that everybody out there has had a great Christmas, a wonderful time with your family and your friends. Everybody's been safe. Uh, a New Year's on us, upon us, and Happy New Year to one and all. Stay safe on the roads and out in the woods. Absolutely, and do everything you can to help preserve, promote, and protect this hunting heritage that we have with our hounds. Absolutely, and as always, you follow your hound, and I'll follow mine.